to Remember Twilight, a literary podcast covering all aspects of the Twilight Saga. On Remember Twilight, we talk about all things openly. Mental health, relationships, sex, religion, fashion. We also understand that there are conversations that will come up that we might not be able to do justice. We want to include as much diversity as we can, so if you'd like to share your perspective with our audience, please message us. Oh, and fair warning, we are not spoiler-free. It was cold in my dream that night, too. Maybe because I slept in Edward's arms. But I dreamt I was outside in the storm, the wind whipping my hair in my face and blinding my eyes. I stood on the rocky crescent of First Beach, trying to understand the quickly moving shapes I could only dimly see in the darkness at the shore's edge. At first there was nothing but a flash of white and black darting toward each other and dancing away, and then, as if the moon had suddenly broken from the clouds, I could see everything. Rosalie, her hair swinging wet and golden down to the back of her knees, was lunging at an enormous wolf. Its muzzle shot through with silver, that I instinctively recognized as Billy Black. I broke into a run but found myself moving in the frustrating slow motion of dreamers. I tried to scream to them, to tell them to stop, but my voice was stolen by the wind and I could make no sound. I waved my arms hoping to catch their attention. Something flashed in my hand and I noticed for the first time that my right hand wasn't empty. I held a long sharp blade, ancient and silver, crusted in dried blackened blood. I cringed away from the knife and my eyes snapped open to the quiet darkness of my bedroom. The first thing I realized was that I was not alone, and I turned to bury my face in Edward's chest knowing the sweet scent of his skin would chase the nightmares away more effectively than anything else. Why they always got to be sniffing each other? They smell so good to each other. They love a sniff. He smells like ice and rocks which who doesn't like that you know i guess <laughs> when it when it rains <laughs> when it rains on a rock and it turns into to ice. a diamond <laughs> i don't know <laughs> all uh, right hello hi 
everybody. What are you doing? Just hanging around. Cool. Crap, you keep asking questions and I think you're asking me, but you're not. I'm not. I'm asking them. I'll answer as if I'm them. It's fine. Always. Uh, Speaking of me, my name is Meredith. Oh, my name is Emily. And you are listening to Remember Twilight. Um, where we talk about Twilight. Yes, but we're not talking about Twilight anymore. We're talking about Eclipse. This is Eclipse. It's Eclipse, you guys. Wrong book, same story. We're so far into Eclipse. Chapter 11, if you could believe. Chapter 11, Legends. Legends. What happened last week? Oh my gosh. Edward bought Bella a helmet and a jacket and she put it on and she looked so good that he had to take that helmet off give her an idiot sandwich tell her that she's important and then give her a big kiss and then he took her to Jacob I love that good recap that's That's all I remember all that happened (laughs) Uh, so there's a vampire nope there's a werewolf soiree yeah and immediately Paul asks my most frequently asked question of my entire life you gonna eat that hot dog? <laughs> the amount of times I've asked that question. <laughs> <laughs> really good. Jacob, at this point, Bella recalls, has eaten at least 10 hot dogs, plus one bag of chips, plus one two liter of root beer. Gross. How come he doesn't have a hot dog baby like Lily in How I Met Your Mother? Oh, <laughs> good point. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she should. But. <laughs> Nothing. You can't tell anything he's eaten. No. It's all abs. <laughs> all abs. Jacob considers eating the hot dog, but uh, Paul gets mad, and so he just chucks the whole hot dog, skewer and all, across the fire at him. <laughs> Which is fine. Paul just grabs it out of the air like nothing. Yeah. But how come Paul is such a bully? I don't know. And why do they keep letting him get away with it? He's the bully of the group, and I... I'm so sick of him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Okay. Agreed. Right. Uh, so they're all sitting around a fire. Obviously, they've been barbecuing and having a good time. But it's dark outside now. And Bella thinks about how easy it is to be here. And that um, while she was putting away the bike with Jacob before they got here, she was a little bit worried that maybe people would be mad at her, or mad that Jake had invited her. But as soon as she gets there, Embry yells at her, hey, vampire girl. And Quill comes over and gives her a high five and a kiss on the cheek. Oh. And then she goes and sits by Emily and Emily grabs her hand and gives her a squeeze. And it's just like, how can you like feel more welcomed than that? Honestly, she's Bella's so lucky. Mm-hmm. She has two of the most amazing chosen families. Heck yeah. And an amazing dad. She's so lucky. So lucky. Oh, my gosh, Bella. So pretty much everybody that Bella knows in La Push is here tonight. Even the old dudes. The oldest man she's ever seen in her life, aside from Carlisle, is here. <laughs> they literally call him Old Quill. Old Quill. And you know what? I have decided that you guys can call me Old Marin if you want. <laughs> Starting today? It just sounded really nice. Old Marin. Like she called him Old Quill and I just underlined it and then I was like, Yes. <laughs> this feels right to me. A, a nod. I am, <laughs> I am old Marin now. <laughs> really cool. I'm embracing it. Give it to me. Mm. Um, guess who else is here, though? The Clearwaters. Ooh, all of them. The whole family. Sue, 
Leah, Seth, they're all chilling. And Bella's like, everybody gets to come. Well, I guess maybe Sue took Harry's spot in the council. And maybe that just means that Seth and Leah get to come too, I guess. So just magically people get to know the secret now? Uh, They're in on it. Huh. Interesting. uh... It's fine. Um... Oh, yeah. Bella is sitting there looking at Leah and she's like, Leah's the most beautiful person I've ever seen, but it must be really hard for her to be here with Sam and Emily. Like, I wonder what kind of drama is happening at this bonfire. Oh, man. But Leah literally is just like sitting here looking at the fire not looking at anyone. Obviously, like uncomfortable to be here. So Bella, I think, picked up on the right thing. Did I did I mention how um lovely Leah's face is and how perfect her features are? No, because Bella does. Yeah, yeah, no, I I definitely <laughs> noticed that Bella is a <laughs> very descriptive mention of how beautiful this woman is. Yes, and then Seth is just like a younger Jacob. <laughs> he's tall and he's happy. Listen, I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh. <laughs> There is, however, one person here who Bella doesn't know already, and that is Kim. Okay. And Kim is the girl, if you remember, that Jared imprinted on. Yes, I remember. Bella, uh, well, let's just say Kim is not Bella's type. (laughs) Bella looks at Kim and she's like, she has a plain face and her cheeks are really big and her eyes are really small and she has thin hair and like, (laughs) she's just whatever. Okay. This... This makes me um, want to bring out the listener mailbag <laughs> because we got an email from Bailey that I was going to respond to, but I was like, this is such an important thing <laughs> to respond to that I'm going to actually talk about it on the podcast. So like I said, this is from Bailey and we got it a long time ago. It was No, it wasn't that long ago. It was only on May 24th. So it was just a week ago she sent this. Um, But it really, it really spoke to me. And I was like, okay, this is something I'm going to talk about on the podcast. She says, um, a lot of nice things that I'm not going to say because that's just gratuitous. (laughs) But right here she says, I agree with you about Charlie, obviously, Renee, Alice, and why Edward had to leave pretty much all of it. One thing I think differently about is how you call Bella judgy. I completely understand how he would come. Ac- she would come across that way, but I don't see it like that. As both a reader and a writer, I see this as more of a visual tool. When you are writing, you generally try to describe everything and everyone as thoroughly as possible. And appearances to give your readers the experience you intended for the story. And as a reader, I always appreciate this. I'm a very visual reader, and I often will... Um, I feel like Bella isn't judging people on their appearances as much as observing them. Did I read that already? No. Oh, and I often will dwell on the little details. What color was her shirt? What brand of shoes is she wearing? And so on. I feel like Bella isn't judging people on their appearance as much as observing them. I think that she is just noticing that whoever has or does whatever and not being mean about it, which to be honest is something I do a lot, observing people. Um, another thought I had while listening... Wait, hold on. I Yeah. And also something I've thought a lot about. We often judge characters' opinions rather harshly. I know I do. But after thinking long and hard about this, I've come to the realization that that's not fair. They're in this situation. We would probably make similar decisions in their place. We have an overhead view of the story. We see more 
And we can also take a step back, close the book and walk away, get a good night's sleep before continuing into the world that exists only inside of our heads, our hearts and the pages. We aren't in the situations the same way that they are. And I try to keep that in mind when I get very mad at my lovely characters. Um, Bailey, I love that so much. It has helped me to not get so mad at Bella when she's making what feel like pretty harsh judgments about people's appearances, pretty much from the first pages Mm -hmm. of Twilight. Um, I still feel like Bella can be very judgmental. And the way that this speaks to me is she talks about Leah's appearance in the previous page and how different it is from Emily's ruined face. Mm -hmm. And then she spends an entire paragraph talking about how ugly Kim is, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which I really don't appreciate. And Stephanie Meyer, I think probably uses that to then illustrate how much Jared loves Kim because by the end of the night, Bella sees how beautiful Kim actually is through Jared's actions and the way that he looks at her. I still feel like Bella doesn't need to be so judgy, but I guess I can see it from a way of like, this is just Stephanie Meyer's way of being a writer and describing what somebody looks like. I still don't think she needs to be so mean. She constantly likes to talk about how ugly or beautiful other women are. And I don't think that we need to be talking about appearances in that kind of a way. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big reader. I've read a lot of books and I can't really off the top of my head think of any character who goes into (laughs) detail into describing what they don't like about another person. It's usually just like they have this color hair and they're this tall and, you know, at this time they're wearing this outfit. It's not like their nose was crooked and (laughs) they had bad teeth and And they never brushed their hair. You know what I mean? So like... I do understand it as using it as a visual tool, but I, I, it's something very specific to Bella for me, I think, too. Yeah. But Bailey, thank you for the email. It's very lovely. And I love hearing other people's points of view. I love hearing that, like, I'm not the only person who can talk about this book. I yeah. love, love, love hearing how other people feel about it. So thank you for calling me out and making me realize that maybe Bella isn't being super judgy. She's just trying to describe what somebody looks. Bella... Um, is kind of a practical person when it comes to that kind of stuff. So she really is just like pointing out an appearance. Right. Bad skin, good skin, (laughs) beautiful hair, thin hair. (laughs) Anyway, but I love that there's such a juxtaposition here between when she first describes Kim and then later. Yeah, so it's all in the same page here. So she's (laughs) like, Kim is very plain. And then she's like, actually... Nothing about her is plain because Jared looks at her like a blind man seeing the sun for the first time, like a collector finding an undiscovered da Vinci, like a mother looking into the face of her newborn child and watching them interact. She just starts to notice like, oh, my gosh, her eyelashes are so long and they create these perfect shadows on her beautiful beautiful. cheekbones and like she really changes her mind after watching them. It's really beautiful the way she changes to way where she's like the shape of her lips was a perfect double curve. How white her teeth were against them. How long her eyelashes were. How you know Kim's skin sometimes darkened when she met Jared's odd gaze and her eyes would drop as if in embarrassment. Um, It reminded me my, my brother Will 
um, is a writer too. And he wrote a book about how nobody's special. <laughs> it's a pretty cool book. But one of the things he talks about is like how he has this like favorite coffee, coffee cup and it's his special coffee cup and he loves it so much. And it's special to him, even though it's not special to anyone else. And he wrote this whole page about how everybody is somebody else's coffee cup. And everybody is that feeling to somebody else. And if we can look at each other through that lens, it makes everybody look beautiful for mm-hmm. who they are because somebody loves them. Yeah. Everybody is somebody's coffee cup. That's I really special. Yeah. So through watching these two together, Bella really starts to understand what Jacob meant when he said that imprinting is something different and that it causes a real change between two people. And as she's watching them, she's like, oh, Yes, it's really I beautiful. Do, I am starting to get it now. It's beautiful. And it, it's another great illustration of why I why I'm on the imprinting is a cool thing. train. Mm-hmm. Um, Bella mentions to Jake that it's starting to get late, but he tells her, no, no, no. The main <laughs> event has not started yet. And she's like, are you going to eat a whole cow? Yes. And no, no, no. we're going to have a meeting because <laughs> it's um. Kim's first time here and Seth and Leah haven't really heard these stories since they've found out the secret yet. And so we're having a little council meeting. It is Jacob's favorite thing in the world. Jacob's favorite time in the world is when he gets to hear or tell a story. He loves it. He loves a story. And you know what? I love a story too. Emily did not love reading through this story very much. (laughs) So usually I take like a page of notes front and back. Maybe I'll go into the third page. This one, I have like four or five pages front to back notes of this story that I don't think anyone really cares to hear about. And also, I didn't write down any of the names because I don't so, want to try to pronounce them. It's so funny. I want you to be feel reassured that people do actually. I love this story. Okay. And I thought it was fascinating. And I read through it in such a way that I didn't even take notes because I was like, this story is very intriguing to me. So Mm -hmm. sometimes it is hard for people to hear a story within a story. Um, I've read a hundred plays where there's a play in a play. Uh So I think maybe I'm kind of used to it and I kind of like can remove myself from what I am and read this story with a story. So anyway, we'll talk about it. We'll tell the story. It's a good story. Okay. It's kind of beautiful. (laughs) Okay, so Billy is going to tell the story of the spirit warriors. And suddenly the energy around the circle changes and everybody just gets really, really quiet. And Emily gets out a pen and a paper because she is going to transcribe. I think this is so interesting. Obviously, this has been an oral tradition Mm -hmm. throughout the years. It's um, oral storytelling and it's something that's been passed down from the elders and And now Emily, being a woman of the 2000s, is like, I'm going to record this so that we don't lose it, Mm -hmm. which is awesome. And also, like, it's so sad that we lose these stories. I mean, that's, Mm -hmm. you know, that's a thing that happens. But she's going to, like, be like, nope, we're not going to lose this story. Yep. Not on my watch. No, no, no. Emily is in charge. Yeah. She's like, I'm this thing needs to be done. I'm going to do it. It's an Emily thing. I guess. I definitely sympathized with her trying to take notes on this story. I can't imagine trying to write down word for word what was happening. Oh, no. So I feel like our stories of what we wrote down are probably pretty similar, Except actually. Do you, think, do you think that she knows shorthand? Maybe. Maybe she has a, <laughs> That'd be a cool sneaky thing to have. trick. 
He begins with the first known story of when they had to leave their land because a larger tribe came and forced them out. Um, So he starts off with the Quileutes are a small tribe. They always have been. We came to this port here. Everything was fine until this one day this thing happened. And so they all fled onto their ships. But instead of leaving, all of the warriors of the tribe left their bodies behind. They became spirits and they went back and attacked this tribe by using the wind to scare them and making it really loud and influencing the animals in the area to go and just annoy the crap out of them, basically. It's just chaos. Mm -hmm. It says they wreaked havoc on the intruders. It's just complete chaos. So this invading tribe eventually was like, this place is haunted AF. We're out of here. No, thank you. They leave and they kind of spread this tale that the harbor is cursed. And so all the other tribes that had been nearby were like, we don't want anything to do with this weird magic that you guys have. (laughs) So they all make treaties with each other. And then the Quileutes just kind of do their thing. They live peacefully for a very, very long time. Until we get to the very, very last spirit warrior. And this guy was known to be very, very wise and very peaceful. And um, how there was this one warrior in the tribe who wanted to use their magic to build an empire and take over and you know, make people do what they wanted and use it in a bad way. Right. You can't be a dictator. No. It doesn't work. Like the wolves, these spirit warriors can all hear each other's thoughts when they are in spirit form. And so they know what this guy wants and they decide to banish him from the tribe. He's not about that. He hides in the forest nearby and he's waiting for an opportunity to get revenge. So one day while the chief was in spirit form, making sure everything was good, it's something that he would do from time to time just to make sure everything was safe. This other guy, this is going to get really annoying because I didn't write their names down. (laughs) (laughs) This other guy knows where the chief had left his body. And so he goes and he switches places. So he puts his spirit into the chief's body and then he slits his own throat. So when the chief comes back, he can't take the extra body that's hanging out there. Right, The body has to be alive for the spirit warrior to come back to it. Yes. Otherwise, he's in spirit warrior limbo, which completely sucks. Yeah, it's awful. So this guy goes back in his stolen body and he tries to act like the chief for a couple weeks so that nobody will be suspicious. And then he tells everyone that they can no longer go into spirit form he forbids it not allowed anymore and that um let's see and because he himself can't also go back into spirit form his whole plan of why he wanted to take over kind of gets ruined like they can't use their magic now to take over so he's like well I guess I'm just gonna live like this super cushy life and make all (laughs) these people do whatever I want yeah that was kind of the whole plan I mean essentially (laughs) so He starts um, to do things that give himself away, like he won't go and help anybody. And yeah, he does things super out of character, like he takes a second and then a third wife, which had never, ever been done before. And so one day the chief, as a 
spirit sends a wolf to go and kill this guy because he's like, this is not okay. You can't use my body and then go do awful things with it. Um, the wolf ends up accidentally killing the wrong person. And so he's like, okay, never mind. He sends That's not going to work. Yeah. You, you're done. Um, and he, he goes and, you know, needs some time alone. And the wolf follows him. And he talks about how uncomfortable and horrible it is to just be without a body. And how he's looking at this wolf and he's like, even to be an animal would be so much better than what I am currently dealing with. Did this remind you of the host? A little bit. Yeah, yeah. I definitely mm-hmm. got host vibes when I was reading that. Totally. <laughs> so he goes to this wolf and he's like, dear wolf, can I please share your body with you? And the wolf is like, yeah, come on in. Plenty <laughs> of room in here. And him and the wolf go back into the village, and instead of attacking anyone, he starts to just <laughs> look at people really intently, and he starts to, like, bark like out some songs. howling their tribal songs. Uh-huh. <laughs> and this one dude, he's like, that's, like, not wolfy behavior. Something weird is going on. <laughs> and so he gets all his buddies and, like, he's like, I'm going to break the rules. It's I'm going to go figure out what this wolf wants. You guys protect my body. I'm going to go check it out. And as soon as he leaves his body and goes into the spirit world, he gets the full recap of everything that's going on. And, you know, he he pretty much immediately understands the situation. But then. But then. What's his bucket? You tlapa. He's like. Hold on, what are you guys doing with this body? I'm going to kill it before you can mm-hmm. come back inside. And the guy barely, barely gets back into his body and he kills him. Yeah. So he wasn't able to actually warn anyone or do anything about it. The warriors just let it happen because they're like, he's our chief. What he says goes. Like, we're not going to stand up to him. But Taha Aki is furious. So freaking pissed about this. So Taha Aki's anger was the anger of a man, but he's in the wolf form. Oh, So what happens is he shudders, and all of a sudden, his wolfy form turns into a man. Yeah, so he's like so mad. There's not enough room in this wolf body for his human anger. And so they combine and they transform into this person. Yeah. And the body form that they take on doesn't look like what his his normal human body looks like it looks like his spirit has taken physical form right and so because all of the warriors in his tribe have spent a lot of time with him in his spirit form they immediately recognize him which i think is so cool it's so cool because um utlapa was like purposely not letting them become spirit warriors Mm -hmm. so that they couldn't see that he was not the actual um Tahaaki. Yeah. It's very cool. So, because the second they see him, they're like, oh my gosh, I knew it. I knew you weren't the real chief. You're the real chief. Yeah. You're our guy. Um, so, we come out of the story for a second because we have to make fun of each other for our <laughs> wolf <laughs> fur colors, I guess. I guess. Um, so that happens. And then we learn that the ability um, passes down to new generations too, this mm-hmm. wolf transformation stuff. And so then we get into the second story of the evening, which is that of the third wife. Yes. Um, so the chief gets his normal body back, I'm assuming. Uh, I don't think no, it actually he says. stays in as the warrior body. Okay. But it's it's man form. Perfect. And so 
And he lives and lives and lives. He lives forever. He goes, his first wife dies. He marries again. His second wife dies. He marries again to his third wife. And it doesn't say outright that he imprinted on her, but I, that's what no, one led to assume. It says um, he had married a third wife after the deaths of his first two and found her in his true, in her, his true spirit wife. Mm-hmm. Though he had loved the others, this was something else. Yes. He decided to give up his spirit wolf so that he could die when she did. Yep. So he's like, I'm done with this wolf business. I'm going <laughs> to go back to being a human. One day, a neighboring tribe blames the werewolves for the disappearance (laughs) of some of the young women in their tribe. All of these people are like, we all know it wasn't each other because we can hear each other's thoughts. Mm -hmm. So we're going to go and see if we can figure out what's actually happening before any like fights between our tribes can happen. And so they're out sniffing around and they come across a scent that it burns their noses and it's weird and they've (laughs) never smelled it before. And so they follow it and they find some like human smell and some human blood. They decide to split up so that half of them can go back and tell them like we found a weird smell. We found the blood. Obviously wasn't us. But, you know, the other half are going to look into it. But the others never make it back. So the two tribes end up making up because the chief goes and he's wearing his mourning outfit and he's like, I'm so sorry. We just lost some of our people too. Like, it's obviously not us. And they're like, yeah, okay, we get it. They make up. So the next year, the same thing happens. More young girls go missing. And so that same tribe comes and asks them for help again to see if they can figure out what's actually going on. And they go, they sniff, they find the same weird smell. Only the youngest member of the pack survived this smelling. (laughs) And he is the oldest son of the third wife. Um, He comes back with two pieces of a vampire or more. (laughs) I mean, just however many pieces he could carry. A whole armful of vampire. <laughs> um the other wolves they tried to kill the vampire but they weren't expecting it to be so strong and fast and whatever so they were to- caught completely off guard and um they they laid out all the pieces of this vampire and then <laughs> this one hand just starts like crawling back over to the arm and they're like ah light it on so, fire burn so it down gross. <laughs> <laughs> So they burn it, they put all of the ashes into all these little tiny bags, and they just scatter the bags everywhere they can think to put them, except they keep one bag just in case. Isn't this the coolest? This is, they make a necklace, (laughs) a cool vampire dust necklace. I want one so bad. Yeah, so they kept one just in case so they would know if it was trying to reassemble itself somehow. Oh man, I'm so jealous. Vala looks over at old Quill and he just pulls out this necklace <laughs> with a pouch on the end and she's like, oh, he has the ash pack. It's like a, wow. it's like a pat back. It is like a pat it's back. an ash bag. <laughs> yeah. Not long after they burned this vampire, a female vampire comes for revenge. Oh no. This, we know, is never good. Hell hath no fury. Yeah. 
Um, so she shows up, and at first, a lot of the people in the village are like they drop to their knees because here's this beautiful, sparkling, <laughs> weird smelling thing, and they're like, "Is this Jesus? It must be. I don't know. <laughs> Definitely not human." Gross. Okay. And um. They smell, like, one of the dudes is like, this is that weird smell. He runs, goes and tells the elders. And then the one last boy in the pack rushes over there to take care of things. He gets back. Pretty much everybody has already been killed. (laughs) She killed everybody. She wasted no time. Drank a bunch of their blood. Some people got onto boats and tried to escape that way. So she was mid-boat smashing (laughs) by the time... um, Wolf, our little wolfy guy gets there and she heads immediately back over to shore. Yep, she's gonna get that wolf. Heck yeah, she is. Um, they fight, but eventually she does win. She kills our poor little baby. And, um, with no other options, our chief phases and he's now this white old wolf, but he's going to do what he has to. Got a wolf walker. He does. I will get you. Just hold still for a minute. (laughs) Oh no. So here we have the third wife. She just watched her oldest son die. Her husband is going to die right now. She looks over at her other two little boys, and she is not about to let this happen. Nope. So she steals the dagger from one of her sons and just charges towards this vampire. Mm -hmm. And the vampire is like, meh about it, because obviously you're not going to hurt me. (laughs) What do you tend to do with that? (laughs) She gets super close to both of them while they're fighting, and she takes the knife and she just slams it into her heart. Oh my god. And gosh. she's so close that her blood just like sprays all over the vampire's face. <laughs> Obviously, distracting if you're a vampire. And so it distracts her long enough that the chief can get his mouth around her neck. But obviously he's still old and he's probably not going to be able to kill her. And so these two young boys have just watched their mother go and sacrifice herself. Their dad is going to die any second and they get so outraged about it. They they both phase two and they uh, go. And ouch. the three of them kill that vampire. Bam. Dead. Good. I don't even. I just started remembering the story. I don't know where I'm at in my notes. <laughs> You did it exactly right. Perfect. Uh, so trouble with the cold ones was rare. Yes, from the that cold time ones. On. Taha Aki's sons guarded the tribe until their sons were old enough to take their places. Yeah, there and, were never more than three wolves at one time. Yeah, because not a lot of vampires came through. If they did, they had enough to just kill it and take care of it. And then eventually, they stop becoming wolves at all because no vampires show up for a long time until Carlisle comes over oh yeah Carlisle and all his babies and he's <laughs> like listen I I know you guys have had problems with vampires in the past we're different check out our uh, our eyeballs they're a different color <laughs> proof and so Ephraim Black is like I'll make a treaty with you but we're gonna make it be very freaking specific and if you cause any any trouble whatsoever we're gonna kill you because we're not gonna go through <laughs> our history again yeah we learned enough the first time the unfortunate thing about this is even though Carlisle has all the best intentions their proximity has caused the tribe to all change into wolves again and now their pack is 
enormous. They have six wolves already Bunch and of counting. Babies. And this is the most wolves they've had since that first time. <laughs> Everybody's imprinting left and right. Yeah, they are. It's mass hysteria. Okay, I sped through that because I didn't want it to take forever, but I think it still took forever. No, so. that was really good. Okay. You did a good job. Thank you. So Bella, after Billy finishes his story, she's sitting there thinking about the third wife and... She's like, I wish they knew her name. It's so awesome that this just regular human was around all these magical beasts. And she's the one who really saved the day. And <laughs> that really, really speaks to Bella deep, deep oh, down. Oh, no, Emily. Bella's going to come up with Bella, a plan, I think. No, Bella's <laughs> getting an idea. She's getting a plan. No, no. <laughs> Luckily, she falls asleep before she can put anything into action. <laughs> And when she wakes up, she's uh, in Jacob's car. He has called Edward for her and said, Bella fell asleep. We said a lot of stories, <laughs> but come pick her up. And he's driven her to the line. And Bella uh, thanks him for inviting her. And he tells her it was so nice to have her there with him to hear everything, which is really cute. It is really sweet. It's like a sweet time. And nobody's mad at each other. And nobody's freaking out. And mm -hmm. everybody's just fine mm -hmm. edward is pacing though so yeah she says good night he's just nervous <laughs> he's nervous um as she gets out of the car jacob tells her to not worry because he'll be out patrolling tonight and she's like <laughs> no well, you must be so tired <laughs> bella zombie walks over to edward who then helps her into the car and buckles her in and drives her home. <laughs> like she's a little baby. She is a little baby. <laughs> little Bella baby. Mm -hmm. um, she tells him that she had a great night and the stories were awesome. And he tells her to tell him in the morning. And she's like, I won't remember. <laughs> um, when she gets home, she finds out that Jacob also called Charlie. And so Charlie's not worried because Jacob's a good friend. Yep. And she heads upstairs, and instead of going straight to bed, she decides to open up her window and just stare at the darkness well, for a while. Well, she's doing her best Juliet impression. Yes, right? I see, I see. <laughs> she's squinting. She's like, was that a pale blur I saw? And probably not. Was that a dark shadow? Probably no. not. And then suddenly, boop, Edward. Uh, Edward. Oh, Edward. <laughs> Yeah, she asks if Jake is out there, and Edward says yes, and the Esme is now on her way home. Um, she goes to sleep, and she has a dream. And in her dream is the story of the first wife, but <laughs> Why in, but she recast <laughs> the people that she knows, and she's like, obviously the beautiful one is Rosalie. Obviously, she's the only choice. <laughs> the old wolf would have to be Billy, and so then I'm the third wife, mm. and she looks down and she's holding a knife in her hand, and then she wakes up. Bella. Bella. <laughs> she... Gives Edward a big sniff for some comfort, and she tells him that she had a bad dream, and he drops a book on the floor, and she's like, what are you reading? And he's like, it's Wuthering Heights. I'm finding a newfound sympathy for Heathcliff. And she's like, good night. <laughs> Goes back to sleep. But the next morning she wakes up, Edward leaves to go change, and she notices the book on the floor, and so she goes and picks it up, and she... <laughs> <laughs> she assumes that the page that it's open to She's is like, the one Edward was reading, <laughs> which I think checks out. I think he absolutely 100% was like, 
even if it didn't drop that way, he opened it up to that page. <laughs> it's like, I want her to just get a little insight to how I feel and I'll just leave this here casually. Oh my gosh. And so Bella looks at the book and she reads, drink his blood and then has to go back and read the whole page because why is Edward reading this part of the book? <laughs> and it's basically that... I've never read Wuthering Heights, so I don't know the characters, but I'm applying it to Twilight. And it's in that Edward doesn't like Jacob and he would kill Jacob except for Bella loves Jacob and therefore Edward will do anything he can to protect Jacob so that Bella won't be hurt by Jacob being hurt. Good. Right? Nice. Um, And (laughs) Bella's like, there's no way that Edward was reading this. Definitely not. Of course not. No. Ha, Edward. (laughs) You dirty dog. (laughs) (laughs) And thus concludes the chapter. You did it. I did it. That was actually really awesome. (laughs) Thank you. Hopefully not too confusing for people who didn't read that chapter before. (laughs) I think that even if they haven't read that chapter, it It's like you said, it doesn't really matter. I think it's important to get the story out so that we know the context of why Bella decides to do what she decides to do later. I definitely understand that. But I also feel like that is something that Bella could have come up with on her own. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like there's a tense situation. Blood distracts vampires. I'm going to slice my arm open. Maybe. You know, it's nice to have this here so we don't think Bella's just, like, completely lost her mind at the end, I guess. <laughs> that's true. I think maybe you're right. I think that's the my only solace uh-huh. is that Bella didn't come up with this plan on her own. If right. she had, I- I'd be done. I'd have to just throw my book away. Yeah. <laughs> so we need this in place so that Bella can just make an old plan new. <laughs> Cool. Okay. All right. Well, um, you guys, thank you for remembering Eclipse with us. It's always a pleasure. Oh, my gosh. That was Chapter 11, and we loved it, and it was awesome. And I want you guys to remember, if you want to let your girlfriend know what you're actually thinking, just open up a classic literature book to the page you want to describe it to from. Yeah, that makes sense to me. cool love you guys love you guys bye bye you've been remembering twilight with Marin and emily you can stay in touch on instagram twitter and facebook at remember twilight podcast please consider joining us on patreon for a weekly bonus episode access to our notes original artwork and to connect with our awesome community you can message us at RememberTwilightPodcast at gmail.com, send us a voice message on Anchor, or leave a review on iTunes. Check out the show notes for all this information and more. Thank you to Stephanie Meyer for sharing her dream and making ours come true. <laughs>